Welcome back to Cartels, Conspiracies, and Camarena. I'm your host, Jack Llewellyn. Thank you for joining me today. All right, before we get started and start talking about the topics today, I want to give a little bit of an explanation of where we're going to go. As you know, if you've followed us for very long, these podcasts really started with a foundation of discussions about the Camarena case, about the last NARC, and things related to those issues and, and kind of the, the intersection of, of those two things. And in, in the, the best sense of the word, that's always going to be our foundation, right? That's always going to be our anchor. But there are lots of other things that we can talk about and really should talk about. And as we've talked about before, and and I think uh, many of you probably know, you can take a very direct view of cartels and the drug trade in Mexico today and trace it directly back to those events uh, in February of 1985 and the impacts that the Camarena case had the arrests of Carlo Quintero and Fonseca and Felix Gallardo, etc. So we're going to expand a little bit what we're doing and what we're talking about, but we're always going to have that foundation. And today's a great example of that. If you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the that group Guacamayo, Right, and they hacked into Mexico's Secretary of National Defense, Sedena, and they were able to obtain something on the order of six terabytes worth of documents. And there's two very interesting things that we're going to talk about today that come from those documents, both of which relate to Carlo Quintero. So first, we're going to talk about some unknown issues relating to extraditions between the United States and Mexico and flowing both ways, both to and from. So we're going to talk a little bit about the extradition process, some things that have been going on behind the scenes with respect to extradition, and we'll have a little bit of a discussion about how that might relate to Carlo Quintero. And then we're going to look at some documents that give an indication of what Carl Quintero was really doing in the decade or so since he was released from prison. And you know, you'll remember there were the two interviews with Annabelle Hernandez where he says, oh, no, 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 I'm not in the drug trade. I don't want to get back into it, etc. Well, we'll evaluate that based on some documents that uh, have come out. Before we jump into the extradition, I want to note that with respect to these hacked documents, there really are three types at the moment. So some documents have been released and are public, right? Uh, A lot of documents have been reviewed and recapped in a news story of some kind or another. But the vast, vast, vast majority of those documents are still private, haven't been fully released, except 
to a core group of people. It is my expectation and hope that um, I will have access to those documents next week and can start looking through them more. But what I've been able to look at now is almost, with a few limited exceptions, stuff that's either been made public or that's been recapped in um, news articles, primarily news articles coming out of Mexico, right? So let's talk about extradition. And again, oh, wait, let me go back. Let me go back. I'm sorry. One of the things to keep in mind is all of these documents come from the Mexican Secretary of the Defense, right? So keep that in mind. They all have a viewpoint that's the Mexican government's viewpoint, which makes sense, right? It's their documents. But I think it's a little bit interesting how that skews things um, and and you need to keep that perspective in mind when we talk about a few of these things. Let's talk about extradition. So one of the things that's interesting is there is a communication or there was a communication from the White House to various Mexican officials within AMLO's government where the U.S. government says that it has a very strong desire for Mexican authorities to expedite procedures to extradite Carlo Quintero. Now, keep in mind, February of 2022, he wasn't even captured, right? Interestingly enough, the communication from the White House not only put kind of um, extradition on the bilateral negotiating table, so to speak, but it also said that it would like the request for extradition of Carl Quintero to be processed before July 1, 2022. Keep in mind, again, this time Carl Quintero wasn't wasn't in custody. And also keep in mind that two weeks after that date, July 15, 2022, is when Carl Quintero was actually picked up, right? And keep in mind that sometime between that artificial deadline of July 1, 2022, and July 15, 2022, AMLO met with President Biden in Washington, D.C., and there were a series of discussions relating to various topics, including but not limited to drug trafficking and extradition. The other thing that the White House and the Biden administration said in this communication in February of 2022 is that they would like to return extraditions to the historic average of about 60 per year in 2022. Now, we're going to talk about that in, in just a minute. Um, so, again, these documents came mostly from um, a organization or, or a, 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 a treaty. A, a, I'm not sure how you want to call it, but it's called the Bicentennial Framework 
for security, public health, and safe communities. And I, I guess it's a, you could call it a security plan. But the countries, Mexico and the United States, um, announced this bilateral or bicentennial framework in October 2021. Okay, so October 2021, you've got this bicentennial framework for security, public health, safe communities. February 2022, the government of the United States says, hey, we want Cairo Quintero. We want you to pick it up and we want him extradited. And then July 15, 2022, Cairo Quintero is actually picked up. Now, what's also interesting about the communications between the United States and Mexico is that they mention specific people that the United States in particular, once picked up, kind of a, a an extradition wish, wish list, if you will. Um, among those specifically named are um, Abigail Gonzalez Valencia, El Suini, um, Kuini, I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, C-U-I-N-I. And he is um, a lieutenant for and brother-in-law of CJNG founder El Mencho. The U.S. also requested the extradition of brothers Miguel Angel Trevino Morales, um, known as Z40, and Omar Trevino Morales, known as Z42, who were uh, two of the founders of Los Zetas. And it specifically is mentioned in the documents that one of the reasons that um, is assigned to wanting the Trevino Morales brothers is their alleged responsibility for the the um, murder of 72 migrants in San Fernando um, in 2000. I don't have the date. I'm sorry. But anyways, it's it's that reason that they ask for them in particular. So another one of the ta- uh, targets specifically mentioned by the United States is identified only as Villarreal. Most people have considered um, or that looked at it have thought that Villarreal is probably Jose Rodolfo Villarreal Hernandez, El Gato, who is or was a boss in the Beltran Leva cartel. He's also included on the list of the FBI's uh, 10 most wanted fugitives in 2020. Now, what's kind of interesting about this wish list is outside of Caro Quintero and outside of El Gato Villarreal, if that's who it is, um, the rest of these folks, including the people we haven't named, are being held in Mexican prisons. So the wish list given to Mexico wasn't El Mencho, El Mayo, that type. It was people who were already in jail with extradition requests. And... One of the things that's interesting is with respect to some of these, especially the Trevino Morales brothers, 
There's clear evidence that both Mexican authorities and U.S. authorities have taken some steps to have them extradited. But, um, you know, there is a legal process in Mexico. And just like in the United States where, you know, somebody was was um, was executed Texas this week, I think, you know, and had been in jail and on death row for 21 years. Um, so just like things can get delayed in the United States, they also can get delayed in Mexico. And some of the defense teams have been very successful at delaying um, any extradition process. And there's been injunctions, et cetera. And we briefly talked about that with respect to Cairo Quintero, you know, that there is a process. And even like El Chapo, the process took about a year for him um, to finally be extradited. A couple of, of comments um, in the press in relation to some of this disclosure. Um, so the a spokesman for the U.S. Embassy in Mexico said, the governments of the United States and Mexico regularly collaborate on extradition requests. The U.S. government is excited to increase our shared security cooperation under the Bicentennial Framework. A spokesperson for the Mexican Foreign Ministry um, said that there is a new focus on strategic extraditions for both countries. And goes on to say, For the U.S., the priority is on the leaders of drug trafficking with special emphasis on fentanyl. For Mexico, it is individuals linked to arms trafficking and the diversion of public funds. That bicentennial framework um, and that collaboration between the two governments is said to have three things, um, or three themes, sorry, three general themes. One, protect our people. Number two, prevent cross-border crimes. And number three, pursue criminal networks. So, um, the, um, the documents thus far reviewed also say um again that the US you know is is putting a lot of pressure on Mexico to increase the number of extraditions from Mexico to the US um there's been some comments from Mexican government that it will be increased especially starting in 2023 and again we'll talk about the numbers in just a second it also says that Washington has, has said to Mexico City that they wanted a increase in the number of court cases filed against drug traffickers, and in particular convictions. Um, and what's interesting is, if you look at these documents, so, um, you know, they really start, they talk about quotas. They talk about demands. I mean, it's 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 a little bit different, and it's different kind of than the public tone. The public tone is, 
says there's no quotas. It doesn't talk about convictions, but it talks kind of in more generalized, superficial terms about increasing cooperation in extradition matters. Um, and, and, and frankly, extraditions in kind of public communications and official communications gets uh, short shrift. It's barely mentioned. So I think it's it's interesting that you can see, and I don't think it's a huge surprise to anyone, that the tone behind the scenes is very different than the tone externally. And um, I wonder how the Mexican people are reacting to, to the extent they care. But the people who are following this, is there any um, concern about kind of the pressure being put on Mexico by the U.S. or from AMLO's government, an appearance that somehow Mexico is capitulating to the U.S.? So look at some of the numbers. So in 2021, there were 43 extraditions from Mexico to the U.S., 43, and According to a report from published um, officially in by the U.S. Congress, that's the lowest number in 15 years. Right? If we go back, if we look at the administration of Vicente Fox, which is 2000 to 2006, and keep in mind uh, Mexican presidents can't run for re-election. Uh, Fox. And and he's sometimes um, kind of wrapped into the the beginning of this the war on drugs in Mexico, so to speak. But anyways, Fox was president 2000-2006, and there was an average of thirty five extraditions per year. Felipe Calderon came in, and between two thousand six and two thousand twelve. That number was an average of 90, 98 extraditions per year. Um, President Peña Nieto came in 2012-2018, and there were 65 average uh, extraditions per year. And then López Obrador began um, his term 2019. Um, there were 58 extraditions, and then there were 60 uh, in 2020, and then, as we just said, only 43 in 2021. So you can see kind of how the the, the number has ebbed and flowed and, and make some conclusions on your own. So one of the things that was interesting, too, we go back to that deadline of July 1, we go back to the talk in, or the, the communication between the White House and Mexican officials in February. There were a lot of discussions between the two governments, as you would expect, shortly after Carlos Quintero was captured. There was a call within a week after Carlos Quintero was captured between um the secretary of the interior for mexico and attorney general garrick uh, merrick garland 
And there's an official statement that says, with respect to that call, both leaders reaffirmed their commitment to work expeditiously on the extradition of Carl Quintero. In um, August, uh, Ambassador Ken Salazar, who, by the way, is uh, is my former boss, uh, I worked for him in uh, 2004 on a on a case, uh, and then he was a senator from Colorado, was also um, Secretary of the Interior in the United States, but he's now the U.S. Ambassador to Mexico. Um. He came out at a speech in um, August, again, August 17th, and said that the bicentennial understanding, that that compact, that agreement, um, security plan between the two countries really needed some concrete actions. And he said, within this framework, both countries are committed to improving security and better protecting our people. Without security, there is no prosperity. And he also said, it is time for results. Um, A week later, he also then thanked uh, the Mexican government for the extradition of Carlos Arturo Quintana, uh, El Ochenta, who is the leader of the Juarez cartel. And then just last week... um, there were meetings in the United States between um, key members of the Secretary of Defense and um, of both countries, and uh, it included Attorney General Garland. After the meeting, it was said that um, this is the official release from the meeting for or attributed to Attorney General Garland, all right? And he says, we will continue to work closely with our partners in Mexico to investigate, arrest, extradite, and prosecute members of dangerous criminal organizations. And they then highlighted what the Mexican delegation said was under the government of Lopez Obrador, they've had the highest number of arrests in history, more than 65,000 alleged criminals, almost 6,000 from organized crime groups. So again, that was um, in November of 2022. What does this all mean? Well, it means, I think, that the public perception of of the way extradition works might be... um, a little naive and those people who think that uh, there's a lot more behind the scenes that goes into who gets extradited and when might be more appropriate. One thing is very, very, very clear. All right. We know the U S government has several indictments pending against Cara Quintero, both in New York and in California. We know that there is serious pressure being put on the Mexican government to find a way to have Carlos Quintero extradited. Now, I said, and was wrong, 
for a long time that I didn't think, as long as certain members of the Mexican government were still in power, that Carlo Quintero would be picked up. And he was. And we've talked a little bit about maybe how that occurred, the degree to which um, there was a, a, a secrecy to his capture that was unique and special and allowed for him to be captured, notwithstanding um, whether there were some governmental concerns. I've also said that I think that the extradition process might be slower because of those Mexican officials still in in uh, in power. And I've speculated that the Mexican courts might say, let Caro Quintero serve the remaining years of his sentence in Mexican courts, and then we can talk about extradition. Okay? Having said that, after looking at all of this information um, and having absolutely no insight to the process whatsoever, other than what I've been able to read, I'm now second-guessing myself. And though I think there likely are um, lots of issues to still be worked out, including uh, if he's extradited, where he would be tried and how that would work. Um, I no longer will be surprised if at any time, uh, you know, from Monday, <laughs> I'm doing this on a, on a Sunday. So from tomorrow, Monday to 20 years from now, if we wake up one morning and it says Cairo Kendero has been extradited and he's now in uh, the Metropolitan Detention Center in New York, I wouldn't be shocked. So, um, again, you know, that, that tells you absolutely nothing other than the process, how it works, and, and a little bit of kind of the background of, of how the extradition concerns um, and, and discussions between the two countries are progressing. And then I will ask kind of the, the open-ended question. Think for yourselves, if more cartel leaders, drug traffickers are extradited to the United States, will that have any significant impact on drug trafficking from Mexico to the United States? Will that have any significant impact on the prevalence of cartels in Mexico? I'm dubious at best, but again, something for us to think about, something for us to talk about. Okay, the Sedena documents also say a lot about Carl Quintero. And I'm going to give you um, a brief rundown of what we know the documents say. And I'm going to preface it in advance by saying two things. Number one is there are gaps and there are holes, and it's not a complete picture because we're working with limited information. Number two, some of what the documents say is a little bit um, contradicted by what we think with respect to other organizations. And so I'm going to tell you what the documents say, Take it on face value. 
later on, we can start talking about the degree to which they're accurate or not. But I think there's a couple of very, very interesting conclusions to draw from the information that I'm going to provide. So here's what we know for sure. Number one is the documents indicate, and there's there's several different um, documents, they're titled, etc. But we know for sure, according to the documents, that the Mexican army was well aware that upon release, Caro Quintero reasserted himself into the Caborca cartel. Hey, that's his hometown, and we've talked about that in the past, right? Here's what's less known, right? That that doesn't come as a surprise to anybody. But in 2017, in a um, hotel in Baccarato, Carl Quintero had a meeting. And at that meeting, it is said, and I quote, that Carl Quintero assumed control of the Beltran Leva organization. The idea here is that when El Chapo was extradited to the United States, there became a power gap, a power vacuum, if you will, and we know about the alleged um, issues between kind of the El Mayo faction and the Chapitos faction. Well, apparently, Caro Quintero, who I think has always been more aligned with um, El Mayo, he went in a slightly different direction. And so the leaked emails show that Caro Quintero at this meeting in 2017 made a pact with Fausto Isidro Meza Flores, better known as El Chapo Isidro, who it is said was the leader of the Beltran Leva family or organization at that time. And and he was an absolute sworn enemy of El Chapo. Um for, and, and I'll talk about that in just a second. The way the Mexican documents read, they say, in, in pretty much these terms, that at this meeting and with this agreement with El Chapo Isidro, that Carl Quintero betrayed the cartel agreements that he he and others entered into in the 80s when they went and and expanded their um their areas of emphasis into the state of Chihuahua which again is where Buffalo is so it says hey there were some agreements made between cartel leaders and again we've talked about the fact that there probably wasn't really a cartel but amongst the 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 main players in the 80s, they made certain agreements, and Carl Quintero betrayed those agreements 
at this meeting in 2017 by taking over um, the group, the Beltran-Leva family, that organization, and entering into this agreement with El Chapo Cedro. Now, what else is really interesting to me um, is the documents reveal that the Mexican government had a very, very detailed um, organizational chart for the Sinaloa cartel and for, again, the the Beltran-Leva organization, such as it was at the time. Now, keep in mind, lots of people will tell you that the Beltran-Leva organization essentially splintered in 2009. So think about how, how that plays out. But so the Sinaloa cartel, which, again, the documents actually refer to as the Pacific cartel, as opposed to the Sinaloa cartel, um, has or had at the time, again, we're talking at 2017, um, El Chapito Ivan as one of the main leaders, along with his, his uncle, El Guano, um, who was kind of the historical leader. We know that um, Ivan's brother has also become um, much more involved. We talked about him a couple weeks ago and his presence on social media. And then, of course, on the other side of of the org chart for the Sinaloa cartel is El Mayo. They also had um, kind of a, a nice chart of the heirs of the Beltran Leva organization. So you've got the El Chapo Isidro. Um, you had people, uh, and I'll just give you their, their names. You know, you had uh, La Lapa, El Chuy, um, El Chuy Pen- Penuelas, sorry. Um, Mario El Cabazas. And, um, you know, they continued apparently to control some of the mountain areas around Sinaloa de Leva in 2017. So that's why this this affiliation between Caro Quintero and um, El Chapo Cidro became important. You can also see why um, it was that uh, that Caro Quintero would be um, on the other side from El Chapitos, right? To the to the extent the extent to which he remained involved with the Sinaloa cartel through his affiliation with El Mayo. The fact that El Chapo Isidro um, was so hated by El Chapo and and um, long long history of bloodshed between the two makes it clear that the rumors of a fierce battle or fight for leadership and control between those loyal to Caro Quintero and those loyal to El Chapo through Los Chapitos, um, those rumors likely were very, very true, right? Um, What's really interesting, too, is if you start looking at these documents, the fact is the Mexican government Put aside what the DEA was doing, uh, um, they had a lot of information from 
2017 to 2022 about where Caro Quintero was, what he was doing, where you know who he affiliated with, and the documents reviewed thus far don't necessarily show specific indications of you know on on this particular day he was here, but they continue to show his actions and activities in Caborca and with respect to the Sinaloa cartel and with respect to these heirs and and the remnants of the Beltran Labor Organization of where his influence was. They also talk about um, efforts of his group. Again, now you got a couple different elements of it in Quintana Roo in uh, 2020 and 2021. So the fact is Caro Quintero's assertions that he wasn't back in the drug trade are simply false to the extent that anybody ever believed them. But the idea that he was also hiding undercover and nobody really knew what he was doing, that clearly isn't true. Again, you have to assume that the not only the Mexican government, but also the American government through the DEA and others also were aware of where he, he was, which raises again the question of why he wasn't picked up earlier. And more importantly, perhaps, the conditions and circumstances under which he was picked up finally. Um, and again, you know, kind of uh, reinforcing how we talked earlier, does that impact those factors? You know, why he wasn't picked up before, how he was picked up this time, um, do those impact and have an effect on the likelihood of his extradition and the timing of any such extradition. My hope is again that we get um, that I get access to the rest of the documents in the Sedena hacks um, very soon. In which case, I'm I'll continue to update. Um, and obviously, one of the primary focuses in those hacks for me is going to be Caro Quintero and his activities and the degree to which um, we can draw conclusions going backwards. Remember the time frame of these hacks is, is such that it doesn't necessarily connect to uh, the Camarena case directly, but hoping that there's nuggets that we can find that will allow us to maybe backtrack a little bit more and find out more information. So, what do? Let's put a little bow on this um, extradition. The extradition process between Mexico and the United States is um, expanding. We've um, there's promises from Mexico or um, statements from Mexico that they're going to have increased extraditions. The United States has been putting pressure to increase extraditions to increase. Um, Convictions of drug traffickers in Mexico has put out a wish list for you know for the the people that it would like extradited, and has put on significant pressure to get Carlo Quintero into the United States. Again, I think um, the likelihood of Carl being extradited is far more than I had given credit for, and we'll just kind of have to wait and see. So that's the discussion for today. A little bit of a of a more abbreviated presentation today. I hope you found that interesting. Let me know. Um, again, comments are are greatly appreciated. I had a couple of very very profound comments this week that 
meant a great deal to me. Um, we are not going to have a podcast next week. Uh, we'll take a break for the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, I'm thankful for each and every one of you who've listened in to some or all of these episodes. And I wish everybody a great, enjoyable, relaxing, and safe Thanksgiving holiday. Welcome you back in uh, December for a new episode. And again, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for every every view, every listen, every comment. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone.